guys, welcome back to the Young Adult Podcast. So glad that you're with us. Here in this next episode of the series, we have the Reverend Bobby Kilman talking about culture and the cultural mandate. You're going to enjoy this. Here it is, Reverend Bobby Kilman. I'm going to do something. If I if I got this right, Brother Brzezinski, I believe this is what you wanted me to do. Hopefully, I got my assignment right. Um, I will. Oh my! Am I locked in? I don't know if I can stand behind that. Okay. <laughs> Glory to God. I apologize, Brother Brzezinski, the animated wild guy. What are you going to do? All right. I'll try my best to take off and land fast. What I want to do tonight is talk a little bit about culture and worldview, and, and I, I would title this many things. We could talk about many things, but one thing I'm going to talk about is how to win a cultural war, because you are in one. This could be called, because I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Now, all of you that know me, don't laugh. Brother McGrath, I'm going to try to finish in 25 minutes. So turn to your neighbor and say, 25 minutes of drinking from a fire hose. I'm going to try my best to take off and land fast. Christian worldview. What you have to have. A, what I'm going to say uh, to, tonight is uh, we're, we're doing wonderful, wonderful things. And by the way, you can get brother uh, brother Herbst has been very kind. Uh, you can get uh, a great gift that he gave me, uh, a book called Understanding the Time by David Nobel and Jeff Myers, a great little introduction. I, I'll tell you, Brother Harold, the only, the only shortcoming in that book is this, uh, that at the end of the day, you have to have something more. Apostolics offer something more. And, and, and that's the, after you get the what right, how do you have the power to live it? Well, that is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about what, what a worldview study like this does and then jump into how to understand the worldview and the, the culture that we're dealing with and how to win the war. If I get this right, I think this is what you tasked me to do, Rev. Uh, forgive me if I get this wrong. But uh, I, if I had, so if I had the ability, I would probably put you, jam you in a freshman class like uh, you've already been in. I told uh, some of the uh, students in here, some of the uh, you young adults that you could teach this class now. My God, you've had it. And, uh, and thankfully that truth is something that you need to grasp yourself, have the ability to share. So I hope you see these moments as empowering you to share your faith to give an answer of every man that asks of you of the hope uh, that lies within you. There's this beautiful passage in the Old Testament that many people have brought attention to, uh, Brother Brzezinski, and, and it's where God is establishing David's reign. And he's, they're overrun by the enemy, so God is going to bring people alongside David to help him win the war. Now, you should think about, okay, I may not be Josh Carson or I might not be Kevin Brzezinski, but where is my role in the church? Where should I spend my gifts? Okay, and, and, and I want you to go out and make money and, and raise families and have lots of kids, you know, like at least 12. <laughs> and I, I wish you posterity and, and I wish you wonderful things. But at the end of the day, you also have to say, how is the gifting that, that, that God has contributed into my life, where does that energy and talent mean that I can come alongside godly leadership, understanding the spirit of the age, and get involved in the work of God? 
Okay, uh, so uh, we've already done some of that tonight, praying for people that aren't here. Uh, keeping friends accountable. Good to see you. I know many of you said that to me because we've been gone out preaching a little bit. Hallelujah. So it's great to be a guest here back in the board again, Brother Brzezinski. So again, all of that is to create a climate, to create a culture, to create, create something that is an antithesis to the world, something that is salt and light, something that is not darkness and spoiling decay and rot that's in the culture. Forgive the candor. Uh, but what we have here is the ability to do that. So, so he's rebuilding a nation. He's called to rebuild that nation. I'll, I'll get off this really quickly. Uh, you can study it yourself. Look at the context. It's beautiful. Study the Bible. Don't just read it. Study the Bible as what it is, the Word of God. And it should inform your life. And so uh, it's not just David and his call. It's the people that were aligned with David that were advancing God's plan for the nation. So this beautiful little statement in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 12, verse 32 says this, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. Now here's what I pray for some of you. You will embrace the responsibility of seeing your, uh, you're not David, okay? I get that, but you understand the times that you can be culturally savvy enough to help your brothers and sisters win the battles that they're facing. That you can win your friends that you're going to college with, your colleagues that you're working with, your neighbors that are desperately trying to find uh, some type of peace and happiness in a crazy world and they don't know they're in a culture war and underneath that a spiritual war. So you got to expose them to that and the Lord will help you do that. They understand the times to know what Israel what? Ought to do. How do I cooperate with the, the intention for which I was created? How do I find the blessing in that obedience? How do I embrace the glory of God by making sure I don't fall short of the glory of God through disobedience? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why their lives are unfulfilled because they're not doing what they were created to do. Okay, hmm, okay. Now, turn to your neighbor and say fire hose. The heads of them were 200 and of all their, uh, and, and of all their brethren were what? At their commandment. And that's influence. That's not position. Leadership is not position. It has very little for it with you getting a title. <laughs> you can have a position and no one follow you. But it was about influence through understanding and savvy and being able to bless people in their life. And that translates into uh, uh, what we can do for God. All right, so I'll do it this way. I'm going to do this really quickly. The first 200 years of American education uh, was explicitly Christian. And by the way, there are many people that would, uh, Jaden, come against that today. And what you would do is there's a great little book by Dr. D. James Kennedy called What If America Was a Christian Nation Again? And he conclusively proves, uh, Brother Cole, that, that God used, uh, that, that the founding of our country was built on that framework of freedom. And, and I'll resist here to get into that uh, too uh, deeply. But uh, the greatest revolution in, in American history happened uh, in just a couple hundred years or so. Right? And you've got to figure out how we got uh, there. And the primary means by which we build culture and win a cultural war isn't often considered. And by the way, if you don't get what that means, that means if you don't understand it, you're not savvy, you probably don't understand the times. 
right? And the greatest influence uh, by which uh, that was built. All right, so let me, let me see if I can do it this way. Um, there were ideas that shaped America. That they were, they, it was Christian, uh, and some of you know this, but uh, what was the, the number one book outside the Bible that created the culture of, uh, of the, in the American colonies? What was the number one book of the, uh, in every home in, in the American colonies? Starts with B and rhymes with Bible. What is it? Bible. Bible that's right, Bible. All right, so uh, <laughs> Sister Lodge, what was the number two, though? Yeah. So how many of you have heard this before? Raise your hands. Okay, good. More and more people. How many of you don't know? It's okay. Because you're not going to tell you this in, you know, where I went to school, Indianapolis Public Schools. All due respect. Said wonderful things. Grant, you got to go somewhere else, have a lot of fun. But I had to go where they had a Coke ring at my school. I had to go where when I was preaching for the first time in Putnamville Prison at the age of 19, one of the guys in the football team was already there for life. I'll be a little strong, but you, you have to understand that came out of a framework of change. And by the way, so the second, uh, the second book, and we, we don't have time to deal with it in detail, was the New England Primer. And the New England Primer, it was created in 1662, and it was only second to the Bible. Uh, and Sister Tipsore, what would happen is, let's say you're teaching that little baby, what would happen is, is you would teach the alphabets to your children, not like we typically do today. A is for apple, B is for boy, C is for cat, D is for... Do we know anything about the Bible? But in the New England primer, this is the way they taught the alphabets. A stands for in Adam's fall, we send all. B stands for thy life to men, God's book attend. And, and you ready? They were, they were not reading Hawthorne lying about the Puritans in the Scarlet Letter, which, by the way, destroyed the American conscience about the Puritans. The Puritans were good people. Those are lies. They're, they're well-written, well-crafted lies, but they're lies. And instead of reading the Scarlet Letter, how many of you had to read the Scarlet Letter in high school? I get it. God bless you all. I wish you didn't have to read it. And if you did read it, maybe hopefully it got detoxed. If it didn't, pray for your English teacher. Hallelujah. We need a cultural revolution. But instead, what they were reading, Sister Powers, they were reading Pilgrim's Progress in high school. And so that means you have to understand that, that in those areas, when you lose those things, like in, when they, we repented it in 1777, uh, there's the inside cover. It was called Spiritual Milk for American Babes. Right? So what would happen then is you would get these ideas that we've already talked about. We moved away from the Bible. We got into naturalism. Ideas... Be begin to come across the pond, make their way, Brother Brzezinski, into America. And so remember, uh, we don't have time to deal with this tonight. I don't know. Maybe we can do it with it in the Q&A. Uh, but when you, Sister Sellers, when you're talking about the university, there was a unity in diversity. That was a Christian concept because we believed that there was one God who created all of existence and he laid out revelation in his book. And Brother Tipsword, we could study all of life. Because what was in here was a guide to what was all out here. And theology was the queen of the sciences. And that was the unity in diversity. So when you say psychology, the first day of psychology, they're going to say, Brother uh, uh, Cole, something like this, that when you get into psychology class, you don't have a soul. Somewhere in the first week, that's the first thing you're going to hear. When the Greek words, suke logos, simply mean a word for the soul. Who has a better word for the soul than the Bible? 
Can I be a little more pointed? How can you quiet the human heart? How can you help David when he says, I'm wrestling with my sin, and, and he says, uh, cleanse me from blood guiltness, oh my God. Then, 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 after you cleanse me, after you deal with the reality of my soul, I know I've sinned. Then my lips can sing your praise. And telling people they're okay or there is no sin doesn't solve the disquiet in the heart. That's why so many women attempt suicide on the anniversary of their abortions. And if you don't know what the stats are, you need to go look them up and understand the times. We're not, we're not just uh, pro-life because we want to stop the murder of innocent babies. Of course we do. But we also want to stop the exploitation of the lies on women's conscience that afflicts their soul. Okay, you got it. Hallelujah. All right, so the ideas that begin to come into America was like Emerson's transcendentalism or, or John Dewey's um, uh, uh, social reconstruction through pragmatism. Uh, Brother uh, Brzezinski, when he got done, there wasn't a reference to God or the Bible left in American education. You got to think about what that means, right? So Woodrow Wilson, the president of Princeton and later the president of the United States, one of the first progressives, by the way, and one of the, the first film that was ever showed in the White House was a pro-Ku Klux Klan film by Woodrow Wilson, the first progressive of the United, the president of the United States of America. So don't give me progressivism. I know where it goes. Oh, I'm trying to behave. Hallelujah. You, you have to understand, I want to say like a million things tonight, but I, I better stay on task. Or, or Darwin's evolutionary materialism. Now, why worry about Darwin's evolutionary materialism? Because out of that, you get Herbert Spencer's socialism that says, if it's the truth and tooth and claw and the, only the survival of the fittest, there is no God in control of, the, of history. We need to get control of it, control of it. So Isaac, they said, historicism says, if you're the weakest person in the room, we're going to shoot you in the head. Why? To take your genes out of the gene pool. Right. And right out of that, you get uh, all sorts of uh, crazy social experiments where uh, eugenics says that there are certain undesirables in the races. Mm-hmm. And so Jaden, like Marcus Sanger would say about you, yeah. Black, not really developed in terms of Darwinian evolution, so let's create Planned Parenthood. And Margaret Sanger did that to destroy the black race out of America. Okay, now my experience is that most young people don't know this. They don't understand the times. They don't understand the threats of liberalism when they came, when they come. But when you remove the fact that there's a God in charge of history, we got to get in charge of it. Now, I understand that they want to do that, and, and I understand that there's some complications. Brother Cole, I'm trying to be sympathetic. Sister Cole, I'll try to be sympathetic with them. I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for young people caught up in the green movement because if there is no God, somebody better get in charge of this. But if there is a God, there's already something in charge of it. What they want to do is change the world, save the world, and what you got to do is point them to the real fight. And show them where that impulse to have an impact with their life can be profitably used for something that's real. How would you like the epitaph of your tombstone devoted their whole life to fighting for something that was not real? And that's the reality of uh, what's going on. Well, hallelujah, in American education. Or, or uh, uh, John uh, Paul Sartre's existentialism or, or Nietzsche's uh, psychology, the will to power. Mm. Now, see, I'm trying to, now I know, say fire hose. Turn to your neighbor, say fire hose. 
So listen, Sister Loss, what's the problem with Nietzsche and his will to power? This is what he would say. Uh, Charles Darwin would say, if she's going to have a handicapped baby, you probably should let it die. Nietzsche would say, you absolutely need to let it die because you're being irresponsible to the propagation of the strength of the human race in the future. So just put a little bullet to the back of the baby's head. Just make it real quick. Pa, it'll be over. That's how, uh, and by the way, who was, who was, who was uh, Hitler, who was the person that Hitler was their favorite author? Oh, I'm sorry. I flipped it in my head. Nietzsche. Who's, who was, uh, who was uh, Nietzsche most favored by? Hitler. Ideas have consequences. You got to understand the times. It's not just semantics. This is about a culture. This is about uh, the West and what was built on the Judeo-Christian construct as opposed to the disintegration of the West right now and the value system. And, and Jesus said it this way, by your fruits you will know them. Because when you start thinking about it, it's like, what are all those terms? Transcendentalism. What was that? That sounded like something with crystals or something. Hallelujah. <laughs> but Jesus gives us this wonderful little thing it's, Brother Herbst, it's the, only, it's the only thing you really need to do when you're evaluating worldview claims because studying worldview like you're doing tonight is about discernment. That's what it creates. And so it, Jesus says, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. Now what does that mean? You don't need to understand their philosophy. Thank God you don't need to read Nietzsche. Hallelujah. You don't need to read Satra, but you simply look at the fruit of their life. So let me give you some example. Karl Marx, all of Karl Marx's daughters committed suicide. Uh, Marxist ideology, now Brother uh, Rosinski, you could do this much better than me. Marxist ideology is, uh, the, the result is somewhere around 90 million deaths. You could play with those numbers. Some people would say more, but I'll just leave it there tonight. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the, the guy that said, well, you, you don't need to think so much about true sister sellers. We just need to experience life. Think, quit thinking black and white. Think green. Experience and just kind of love and, and, and getting away from kind of these arguments about truth and then just through inspiring people through through beauty and statesmanship and beautiful language and art. And, a, and it's a return to kind of uh, the, the Greek uh, approach to romanticism is what it's going to turn into. Now, we, what do we, well, that doesn't sound very contemporary, Brother Kimmel. It's just called entertainment. If we can just have enough entertainment, if we can just have enough TV shows, if we can just have enough Flappy Bird games or, you know, or the games that guys usually play for like three days straight. And they devote increasing quantities of their lives to something that has no impact on eternity or life. And we could talk about that and why, and there's some deep things connected to that, but I'll try to resist that urge tonight. But Brother, Brother Brzezinski, Jean-Jacques Rousseau abandoned all five of his children on the steps of an orphanage. He had the, he had the morals of a cockroach. He can't even, He won't even raise his own kids. Why should I listen to him? He's not a man. He doesn't know his role about protection and provision. Okay, so moral certitude, okay. What, would you respect me if I just kind of left my wife and kids and kind of done what I want? Because I'm some, well, some type of selfish jerk. You get the point. So what would happen? What happens when you worship pleasure 
And, and, and Warren Farrell said it. Thank you, Brother Wazinski, for also finding another qualifying source that makes the same statement. But I'm just going to remind you that by, your, by their fruits, when you turn people over to the pleasure principle, what does that look like? It looks like this, that since the 1980s, the state of California has opened 23 prisons in one university. That's not working. And if that's the Mecca of everything that we need to pattern our life after, Brother Jaden, you need to say uh, uh, over 90% of the prison population is male. So they say to young men in our culture, how many of you are young men? Go ahead and put your hand up, Brother Herbs. We'll let you guide in there. <laughs> but they say, live any way you want to. Live according to the philosophies by which we train you, actually. Embrace the ideas that we give you, and then when we're tired of your reckless lives spilling into the lives of other people, we'll lock you up to the tune of 23 to 1. Now, I'm going to tell you, we need to have something different when we're talking about what's going on in the church. Or, or like Ernest Hemingway took his own life, shot himself. Why? Because is there any meaning in life? And if there is no eternal, how do you go through the pain of existence? So the only real question left in, life, left in life, according to Hemingway, is this. Is life worth the pain of living or should you just end it while you're at the top? And he said, I'm not going to get old, Sister Arbor. He said, I'm going to end my life before I have to suffer with too much sickness. All right, now surely when you look at that, you have to say, okay, these ideas are bankrupt. Now, the problem is, we, we, Brother Herbst, we've kicked out Pilgrim's Progress and we pulled up all of these ideas and that's American education today. Those things reign in the public arena. And when you change the ideas, you change the consequences of the lives you can build. Thus, the chaos in our culture. The only thing stopping the total disintegration of American culture right now is the artificial prop-up of the wealth of technology. That's it. Okay, now I'll try to, I'll try to land. But Brother Brzezinski, candidly, most kids don't care. They're never going to read Nietzsche. How many of you have ever read Nietzsche? Maybe some of you have. Oh, no, just one. Me and Brother Herbs. Hallelujah. We're the weird ones. Sorry, Rev, I keep throwing you under the bus. It's a good bus. <laughs> but Sister Kayla, no, hardly. Have you ever read Jean-Paul Sartre? Theater of the Absurd? No. But I guarantee you, every one of you have heard them. Jesus said, the thief cometh not for to kill, for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You ready? That's the intention of what the enemy is doing in our culture. And you have to understand, that's the agenda by which he's shaping everything that's coming out of him. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, let me see if I can, I can cut to the chase tonight. Man. See, you may not have heard of Satra, but you have heard of Satra. What does that mean, Brother Kilman? Well, it means something like this. Uh, what are the top, because popular media, is where all these ideas started making the greatest impact in, a, in the culture. So when, when Bobby Duran wrote his book, Mac the Knife, it was, it was a number one in the 70s. Brother Brzezinski, it was it's set on the top billboard sites, and, and it, was, it was cloaked praise of, of robbery, thief, and rape. 
Or when, you, when uh, Debbie Boone, I think it was, sang You Light Up My Life. It was the number one single and stayed at the top of the charts for a very, very long time. And, and in that particular um, song, it says, It can't be wrong when it feels so right. Now, what happens when you tell young people to live their life that way? Joe Brooks, the guy that wrote it, died facing, in the 1980s, he committed suicide facing over 90 counts of rape and, mur- and, and a sexual molestation. Because if you try to live your life according to sin, instead of this book, it will not end well. And that naturalism, where we, we, they begin to take those ideas into the public, like the atheism of Karl Marx. You know where you can find it most common? In the number one listened to person in all of sales history in, the, in marketing of music, the Beatles. John Lennon. You get the atheism of Karl Marx and John Lennon. You get the ex- existentialism of Satra. There is no meaning, Brother Herbst, only what you make. And when he says, you're going to have to serve yourself, and that's all there is to it. Well, then what's, what's, what's wrong with me stepping on somebody to get ahead? Should I prefer my brother or step on them? You ready? If there is no God, you ready? Then, then how do we get to those things? Or what's the number two person in all of production history? I'll, I'll try to cut to the chase tonight. Elvis Presley. You know who number three is? Now, these are the people that top... A mass production sales of all times, even to today. Number number three, you know who it is? Michael Jackson. And that's Nietzsche's moral confusion. Now, you forgive me tonight, but like in the song, Billie Jean is not my lover. She's just a girl. She says, I am the one. But the child is not my son. Now, we could talk about all of that moral confusion. I'll leave it alone. Are you ready? Number four, the fourth person to sell the most in production history is Madonna. By the way, she said she would never let her kids listen to what she produced. But she'll sell it to yours. You got to decide how you're going to shape the future. And, 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 and you may not have read Jean-Jacques Rousseau. You ready? But, but that's exactly what you're getting in that hedonism pr- promoted by Madonna. Are you ready? Uh, how many have ever heard of Jeremy Bentham or Walt Whitman, the, the philosopher? Some of you have. But you ready? You, you may not be familiar with them, but I guarantee you most of you are filled. Uh, you may not know those pro-homosexual poets that tried to shape American thinking and anybody that would read them towards pro-homosexual uh, views of uh, people. But I guarantee you know who Elton John is. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, the last one we'll talk about tonight, Led Zeppelin, where Jimmy Page uh, said, Brother Brzezinski, it was like somebody was guiding my hand when I wrote and made the music. And I'm sure there was. All right, so what are you, what are you trying to say tonight, Brother Kilman? I'm just saying, how, how do you create a culture? How do you know the climate that you're in? You have to get biblically based. You have to know the Christian value system is about everyday living and life. When Jesus says, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them, that's how you evaluate people, philosophies, projects. Um, Oh, I'll try to behave. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 16 and 17. Isaiah says, Behold, God says to the prophet Isaiah, I have created the smith. 
So here's what I'm not doing. I don't want you to get so concerned about what's going on in all of these areas of of entertainment, which is, by the way, the only place we do philosophy today. It's the only place your generation does philosophy. They don't do rooms like this much anymore. Oh, man, I want to say so much tonight. He says, behold, I have created the smith. That's what God says, that bloweth the, uh, the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. I have created the waster to destroy. God has ordained. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the chaos in this culture and he knows the waster that's created to destroy. God's not surprised by anything going on in our culture. Okay? And then he says to them, and we often quote this verse, Brother Brzezinski, but we don't know it in the context. God says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. You don't have to be intimidated by technology. You just got to know the dangers of it. And so when I'm standing over at the end of live and there's a young man on the, on the side of the platform and, and he's wrestling with technology, he's wrestling with purity. We don't even have to name what's going on. But, those, but it's not just pornography. It's the ideas that shape values. Can I be a little plain tonight? If you listen and watch to more stuff than you read and understand God, you're in trouble. Because your ideas are being shaped. Your value system is being shaped constantly as you absorb. Now, I'm going to leave it to Brother Brzezinski and Brother Carson. I'm not anti-entertainment, but I am anti-pagan. And it gets in you. And you don't even have, I don't think anybody in the room would say, you're right. I don't think anybody would say, you're wrong, Brother McGrath. I don't think you would say, Brother Kilman's crazy. He's some old 47-year-old. They just kind of let up here and ran every once in a while. How many of you know that, that media shapes you? Okay, so then then you can't take fire into your bosom and not be burned. You can't bring some things in close to you and think that you're not affected. That's the number one way you're shaped. And so we we have to understand that God says uh, that no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to brag on Brother uh, Brzezinski tonight and Brother Chris Henderson. They've teamed up. Uh, These are dated statistics. You're going to have to fix this because right after live, we had a monster jump in YouTube, and you could probably say more than this. But this is like... This is a year, year and a half old statistics. You can clean this up later. We get about, uh, average about 16,000 downloads a month. Uh, YouTube, we had 42,000 subscribers. We have way more than that right now, Brother Brzezinski. I can't even keep up. By the way, it's more than Indiana University. That's more than the University of Michigan. That's more than Notre Dame. Uh, and Facebook, we had 28,000 followers. I, I don't even know what it's up to now. We had a massive tick up right after live. Why? Because sing them out of pain. Talk them out of pain. Get them out of the culture of bondage. Tell them the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's the liberation, but it'll also make you free. Build into your life such substance that it can affect the world. So here's my prayer. I pray some of you will bug I hate, I'm sorry, Brother Brzezinski. I hope some of you will 
bug some of these wonderful uh, mentors and say, show me how to shape the world. Like one particular man said, Brother Herbs, give me a lever and a place to stand and I'll move the world. I think the number one, Brother Cole, I think the number one desire I see at Indiana Bible College is those young people. We're in a different moment and we're in a different moment and it's a good moment. It's not a bad moment. Don't misread the seedbed of revival. Those young people are saying, show me how to change the world and give me a place to give my life away and I'll do it. Can you understand the times and help them do it? If you can, they will listen and they'll come alongside you. You can pour into lives and help people do what God has ultimately called the church to do and what God's called the church to be in this time. Okay, turn to your neighbors on the firehouse. Hey everyone, thanks for being with us. This episode is over. I want to let you know that next week, Reverend Andrew Herbst is going to be speaking about secularism. And that's going to be an episode that you'll very much want to catch. He's a brilliant mind, a history major. We will catch you back next time in about two weeks on the CTYA podcast. God bless.